to the Vet SOS show brought to you by the Who You Know Network, where what you know is important, but who you know can make all the difference in your job search. Uh, We are joined by Brett Courier. Uh, Let me pull Brett up here. I actually got his uh, picture here. He is, and I'm going to read you a little bit more about him. He's the founder and CEO of Vet Gigs, a talent marketplace with a mission to help veterans and military spouses find new purpose after the military through lucrative careers in technology consulting, and other professional services. Brett started his career in the Army and the Air National Guard, or excuse me, Army National Guard, excuse me, where he served 12 years. His service included a tour in Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation New Dawn. He's a Deloitte consulting alumni and currently works at Huron Consulting Group in addition to vet gigs. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Brett, for joining us. Uh, Appreciate you being here and sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sean, Mark, very happy to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks. Um, So you've had uh, just, man, just a a great level of experience. I mean, Deloitte, certainly, right? One of the big four and um, probably a lot of knowledge gleaned from from, uh, working with them. Um, Thank you as well for your service. Tell me a little bit more about why you're passionate about helping service members. Like, prior service members, what you're doing right with vet gigs and all of the efforts that you're uh, putting forth. Yeah, it's, it's something that's deeply personal to me, um, not only from my time in the service, because I do believe that um, kind of energy you you carry as a non-commissioned officer does carry forward. It doesn't just end when you leave the service. Um, but I've also had the unfortunate experience of losing a number of battle buddies due to suicide, um, both while I was in the service and since leaving. And each one of those losses has made it more profoundly personal to me and, and deepened my my sense of uh, mission to help out the veteran community. And as you pointed out, my experience at Deloitte Consulting and, and now at Huron Consulting Group has kind of put me um, in a unique place where it's given me the opportunity to help out the veteran community even more um, by helping them learn about different opportunities in technology, consulting and other professional services and really help them prepare for those roles. Because while there's a lot of amazing resources out there, what I found is a lot of them um, specifically helping with the transition uh, aspect of things, you know, there are folks who are really well-meaning but haven't worked in the type of roles where they're trying to help veterans transition into. Um, And I mean, that's my kind of day in and day out. So, not only are we in a position at vet gigs to help veterans get into these different positions um, and, and really help place them, but really help with the preparation aspect as well. So a lot of the veterans we talk to are, you know, six months, a year, year and a half from transitioning, and we kind of help put them together a, a development plan and connect them with free resources needed to really become marketable candidates for these roles. So, um, leaving leaving Deloitte right in the experience the service really I guess um, in part in going from the guard well active duty and then to the guard and then to Deloitte getting that experience um, where the where did the vet gigs idea come from yeah so um, that's actually a really great question it's something I've, I've really been thinking about for years and it's gone through a few different iterations um when i first got into deloitte i was a little bit befuddled because um 
you know, they're pretty good about reaching out to the veteran community in the way they they know how to. Um, it's obviously this huge bureaucracy. So trying to reach a very small niche community can be really difficult for such a big organization. Um, but, you know, I when I was there, I was just surprised by how often um, the we would be working on a multi-million dollar contract there would be an opportunity to bring on disabled veteran subcontractors to millions of dollars of benefit to Deloitte. And they would just like, ah, no, it's too, too tough. We're not going to be able to get veterans to, to do this kind of work. And I'm what? Like, these are amazing opportunities for our community. Like, what do you mean? We're, we're not going to pursue something <laughs> that's going to bring up, huh? <laughs> Yeah. We're, something that's not going to bring millions of dollars to the firm, but it, it's also going to provide amazing um, job opportunities for a diversity, equity, and inclusion community. Um, one that I care deeply about. So um, I originally thought of it as kind of a staffing firm idea, like, hey, we can connect people better than a lot of the staffing firms out there. But then I I saw, um, as in, it was around the time I actually lost my my second close battle buddy due to, to a suicide that um, I, I saw that, you know, we need to have a model that's far more scalable than staffing firm because there's there's so many staffing firms out there and they, they don't do that great of a job and it needs to be a little more automated, a little more use of, of technology. So I saw the way Upwork and Fiverr were really adequately connecting uh, communities of freelancers and, and employers together. I thought, you know, why don't we have a platform like that just for the veteran community where when big firms, small firms, anybody needs veteran community uh, members to work on their projects, especially high income, high skilled projects that veterans can really excel at, you know, they can come to our platform and it's in one central location where they can, they can find, uh, find this fantastic talent, both for jobs and professional or jobs and, and freelance um, work alike. And yeah, Aaron, Aaron actually just joined us. I'm going to let him in here as well. Let, let me get us up into a four box here so we can see each other a little bit better. There we go. Hey, welcome, Aaron. So you, you guys collaborate and work together, right? Um, Aaron, thanks for joining us. Um, I have asked, uh, Sean and I like to, to hear a little bit more about why you're passionate about helping active and, and prior service members. Why, why are you involved? Yeah, certainly. Uh <clears throat> I hope everybody can hear me okay. My uh, my connection's really slow, uh, yep, so I apologize for that. Uh, me personally, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Brett actually reached out to me, uh, trying to recruit me to post jobs uh, on on, on bet gigs uh, because uh, I own a digital marketing agency and I've been in the industry for twenty two plus years. And I'm always actively trying to recruit uh, veterans to come and join me. What are what are some of the, the things that um, I guess you have seen as far as the market as of late? And, and either of you can answer this, right, um, for veterans. And we've, we've asked some of the other guests this too. Um, more receptive at this time and point or less receptive? 
So this is actually an ongoing conversation I have with our employers, with uh, members on our advisory board. We actually have the the CHRO of AppDirect, uh, Deb Tenenbaum, who serves on our advisory board. She just provides fantastic insight because this is someone who just day in, day out is, is working with HR leaders across the private and public sector. And um, she was like, you know what? we are in a unprecedented time certainly and workers are leaving like crazy from places as uh, from their place of employment as they realize you know i could have something better making it really high turnover everyone seeing a lot of um a lot of tumultuous um and activity in their workforce but from the perspective of hr leadership they're all really focused on one thing. Yes, they would like to have more DEI talent, and there's been an effort to involve more, uh, to add more diversity, equity, and inclusion talent into their overall talent pool. But what their overall goal is in general is to get the largest talent pool possible so they can pick the best candidates from that. So I would say there's more openness by HR leadership in hiring veterans. But they're still competing versus civilian counterparts. Uh, looks like Aaron dropped off. He, he should be back on his second. It's been a day. It's been a day. Including me. Oh, um, man. But so, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Brett. Finish up. Yeah, I was just going to say, so, you know, what What I'm seeing a lot of at vet gigs is our talent is really still competing versus the, the greater civilian population. And I'd say the biggest struggle is having them be competitive against um, candidates who even just have two, three, four years of directly relevant experience. And what I constantly do is help our veterans reframe their experience so it doesn't look like they have 10, 15, 20 years of experience in the military and now they're starting a new civilian career. It's uh, a big effort in helping them rephrase their experience. So we point out the most relevant pieces of their civilian or their military experience and it shows that their relevant experience actually started while they were in the military. Um, it really makes sure that comes clear in their resume. And then a company that with certifications and whatnot, they've gotten during their transition to help show, yes, I do have background in this role. I, I do meet the qualifications and desired qualifications. And, um, you know, they, they then kind of partner that with um, freelance work to help show they have experience in the civilian world or uh, internships as well, which show that they have relevant experience in the civilian world. So it takes the thought out of the, the hiring bodies. So they're not thinking, yeah, are, 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 are we really taking a chance on this, um, this veteran instead of going with someone who maybe has less years of professional experience, but more years of directly relevant um, civilian experience? Yeah, yeah. And w welcome back, Aaron. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry about the, the technical difficulties. Um, you know, you brought up a good point, which is the cost of a hiring mistake. Right. And maybe, mm -hmm. Aaron, this is might be right up your alley oh, the yeah. cost of a hiring mistake. I mean, let's say you get somebody onboarding and you're going to pay them one hundred thousand dollars. Right. 
And so you're, you're, you've got the, the salary and that's probably the base, right? Let's say that's the base, but maybe total comp is in the 140 range, 130, 140 range when you factor in benefits and everything else. Yep. Um, and, you know, you get somebody in and let's say they're, they're with you for two years, right? You're talking over a quarter million dollar mistake. So how, talk to us a little bit about that. Like what, what, what are companies experiencing with veterans and, and service members maybe specifically and some of the pitfalls and how they're overcoming that and how you guys are helping in that space? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I have firsthand experience. I have far too many, uh, you know, uh, examples, you know, we all like to think that we you know, hire well and we, we do our research, but sometimes it's just a miss. Sometimes life happens and, you know, uh, you know, best laid plans. Uh, that happens a lot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, typically when you onboard a new employee, it really takes them six months to get up to speed with company culture, with processes, just getting your head wrapped around. Even if they have experience doing the job, every time you move to a new company, the job might be the same, but the job is done differently every single time. So the, the cost to recruit and train, and then you've got six months before you can really give them a fair shake on, uh, you know, performance. So like you said, you know, uh, depending on their role, God, if it's a sales role, it's even more devastating because then you're, you've got your, uh, you've got your salary, you've got your benefits, you've got your total comp, but then you have the missed opportunities of maybe not hiring a great salesperson. Uh, same goes with technical roles. If you've ever been in Salesforce, holy cow, it's a lot. Uh, it's a beast. And if you've got a, a, a not great Salesforce admin or a not great Salesforce you know, team, uh, again, the opportunity cost, it, it, you can't measure it because you don't know how big of an impact the leakage is, the missed opportunities. It can be, you know, in your example, it was $250,000. Well, what if you're selling to, you know, uh, the state of New York? How big of an opportunity this is that? It could be worth tens of millions or even more uh, when you're talking about enterprise level uh, opportunities and of course, government opportunities. And we all have that experience of, you know, those large contracts, once they start, they kind of just keep writing those checks, which is great. So your one or $2 million miss might actually be 20 million. So it's so stacked. Yeah. I, so I'm getting a little bit of an echo. I think, uh, Brett, maybe it's coming through your feed. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the mistakes, like you said, they can add up. Right. And so I, I get it why companies and um, Sean, maybe you can, you know, share a little bit about your interviewing experiences. Right. Or your your search experiences so far. Um, but at the same time. Look, in the military, what do we have to be adaptable? Right. Yes. Adapt and overcome. And, yeah. and so I think that, yes, it could be a mistake, but the onus isn't completely on the company either. Right. Oh, no. uh, and, that, and that's where Veterati, that's where, you know, vet, uh, vet gigs and MTR, some of these other resources that we're trying to bring to light here. Um, 
can help. And I think that that's one of the things that we're trying to, to bring forward is how to overcome, you know, some of those things, be adaptable and be able to, you know, succeed, to excel in a position that, you know, could be construed as maybe a mistake, but you're able to overcome that, right? You have the skill set. Obviously, they wouldn't have brought you in if it wasn't on your resume, right? So, right. Um, yeah, Brett, and that that imposter syndrome is something that Aaron and I have definitely talked oh a lot about. We see that a tremendous amount in the veteran community. Um, so it's just you know trying to assure them as well, like a talent to clarify. Um, you know, we'll get you prepared, but, you know, don't worry, there is going to be a little bit of a runway when you start a new role. Um, and that's okay. You know, you're going to be learning the company, you're going to be learning the industry, you're going to be learning uh, the job. And so, you know, we'll do our best ahead of time to prepare you for the industry and the job understanding through certifications, talking with mentors in the field to prepare you as much as you can. But there's going to be an element of on on the job learning and employers generally expect that um, as long as you are really putting your all in to learn that new role like you did in the military, um, you know, you're going to be fine. Just put in that effort. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll add a little bit to that. Uh, I know, you know, again, I've had the experience of, you know, hiring new grads or, or hiring, you know, for junior positions. And one of the things that a lot of times companies don't think about is you're hiring somebody new to the industry. So you're doing training, but you're also hiring people who are kind of new to adulthood. Uh, you know, uh, so you're teaching them how to be a professional they literally don't have the experience of how to interact with people. I remember one of my first jobs, uh, you know, out of the Marine Corps, uh, my, one of my first office jobs, uh, you know, emailing back and forth and I actually got pulled aside, uh, by my boss said, Hey, your, your emails are like really direct. They're like a little harsh. I'm like, <laughs> really? I was just answering. And I said, well, one of the things that we do here is say, you know, like sign off with thanks on every email. Who would have known that? Thank you, co corporate America. Uh, <laughs> just, those, just those little things. Uh, you know, you're teaching, you're teaching people new uh, to the workforce how to be professionals. And, you know, while uh, some military veterans may have a little bit of a rough edge, uh, <laughs> uh, but we, we know how to be professionals. We know how to, you know, not take it personally and adapt and overcome. That's, I think, uh, unfortunately, one of the biggest things that you'll hear, one of the biggest complaints when you, when you get people cracking on, you know, millennials or Gen Z, how soft they are, whatever, I honestly think it's just because they haven't had the opportunity to learn how to, uh, or, you know, adapt and overcome because they haven't had that experience. And, you know, we in the veteran community certainly have. So that's, that's totally one of the things that gets missed uh, when hiring from, from our community. Uh, and, and because we don't have, you know, we might not have that you know, five years experience or that, you know, uh, polished degree from wherever. Yeah. Like Brett said, I mean, we've had, so many discussions about imposter syndrome and, you know, yeah, but I was, you know, 
I was on an aircraft carrier, so I don't know how to do this. Or me personally, when I was in the Marine Corps, I came, uh, I spent most of my time in supply and in a uh, logistics S3 office. I had no idea how valuable experience that would be for me as a project manager. Like, holy cow, that was better than any sort of project management experience you could get from a book. You know, uh, being able to coordinate with all the different units, coordinate requests, track where everything is, that's project management. I didn't understand that as a 19-year-old kid uh, or as a, you know, I don't care, 22-year-old kid coming out of the Marine Corps. So there's yeah. there's a lot of ways that we can help, you know, translate that experience at, and really educate employers on we've got this experience. It just looks different and we can apply it in a way that other folks can't. Man, you, you guys are just totally hitting the nail on the <laughs> head uh, here because um, it just sparked another question for me, which is degrees, right? degrees. So a lot of us, you know, obviously if you're an officer now, if you're commissioned, you've got to have, you know, at least your, your bachelor's degree, your undergraduate degree. Um, a lot of folks, you know, enlisted still today are leaving without perhaps a degree. And there's been a little bit of a shift I've heard in the career transition community, career search networks, um, in the companies that are engaging there, less of a, a strenuous requirement for a degree. Um, but it's also that translation of experience, right, then that comes into play. What, what are you guys seeing in that? So, I, I mean, I think I could take this one. I, I kind of have an interesting take uh, being a higher, a higher education consultant for my, my regular job. And then um, also just helping a lot of veterans through as a kind of counselor type role um, at, at Deloitte. And I, I really tell folks to start with their overall goal in mind. A lot of veterans haven't really thought through their end goal or maybe have a rough idea, but they're just plowing into training, certifications, whatever, and kind of moving in a hundred different directions and, and getting nowhere. Um, that burns a lot of resources, the first of which being their time. So I tell them, you know, hey, let's let's sit down and spend some time talking about a, a really targeted end goal. You want to be an ERP consultant. Maybe you want to work at Aaron's firm and be in marketing. Um, you know, do you, <laughs> you know, where do you want to go? Um, what do you want to do? You know, what's your, uh, what is your end goal here? Do you want to be a Salesforce administrator or, you know, even beyond that, you want to be a Salesforce consultant and, and the admin's your first step or going the development route is your first step. All of those are completely different, uh, completely different goals that are going to take entirely different development paths. Uh, now, what's interesting is traditionally, if you wanted to be an ERP consultant, we'll use that as an example, you would uh, need a degree generally to get in, or at least to be um, highly competitive. Things are changing now. And, uh, you know, as, as major tech companies are saying, you know what, we don't really care about a degree all that much. We'd much rather have you come in with prior work experience and we'd much rather have you come in with uh actually experience in the role we're hiring you for 
So, uh, you know, we're seeing groups like Google put out free certification programs and we're seeing them say, hey, if you go and, and take these certifications, we'll hire you, you know, as long as you, you have the background that, that makes sense. In a lot of ways that that works to the benefit of the veteran community because we can come out and say, look, I've got all these amazing soft skills, I've got a lot to bring to the table. Um, you know, maybe they don't want to go and get their degree or maybe they've already used their GI bill or given that to their family. So going to college isn't going to be the best ROI for them. Um, but we can get them set up with a free Coursera license through one of our partners, build a development plan for them based on a, a end goal we've identified together based on our experience in different areas of professional services and technology. And then through the free Coursera license and other resources out there that are free, um, really start focusing on the 20% of, of input they can make to get 80% of the output. Um, that 20% of certifications, uh, courses, you know, training, internships, whatever out there, that's going to make 80% or 90% of the difference. And um, yeah, we're finding increasingly that's, that's not higher education. Um, so I generally won't ever discourage someone from, you know, pursuing a higher education degree, but I have in cases where they're like, ah, you know, I'm just going to get my degree. I'm going to do something like creative leadership or something. I'm like, why creative leadership? Ah, I don't know. It sounded good. I'm like, all right, it's probably, <laughs> probably not a best use of two years of your life guy. Um, but you know. It, it really starts with honing in on, on what's your goal, where do you want to go? And then talking to people who work in that area, who are five, 10 years in on that career path and saying, Hey, looking back, if you were to come up with the most optimal trajectory and like how to get into your field, how do I do that? Um, that was something I did when I was, when I was looking to get into consulting and I talked to experts in the field. And um, even in, when I was in interviews, I would ask the interviewer, hey, is there any other certifications you recommend I pursue? Any other training? Anything else I would do to make myself the most optimally marketable candidate? And they gave me advice and it, it's worked. And now we kind of pass that on to um, candidates, veteran candidates who are, are looking for roles and um, military spouses as well. That's what I love about what you do because I reached out to you through Veterati. It was a call. I had no idea anything about vet gigs or anything. <laughs> and we got to talk and, and you're, you're one of the few I've talked to so far that actually went straight into building a profile on me. As we talked, you, you spit out this whole profile uh, and sent it to me and then lined me up with the free Coursera account. Um, and then we did a follow-up call and you're the only one really that I heard talking about, like this co-op type thing. Now, a lot of the veteran support organizations are starting to come together and work together, but you were the first one I've talked to that actually came out and talked to, talked about that. Can you enlighten us a little bit on this concept that you, that you have going on and how you see the, the veteran support organizations and community moving forward? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up, Sean, because it's something I think is crucially important to our community. Um, a lot of veterans get really frustrated when they can't get everything they need from the one or two organizations they know about in the veteran community for help, um, such as the VA, for example. The VA is a great example because they are massive bureaucracy with a lot of resources. Unfortunately, they have a very narrow scope on what they do. They're, they're healthcare 
you know, healthcare and financial benefits for disability. That is their narrow scope of value defined by the government as, as you know, what they're supposed to provide. They do provide a lot of other ancillary value, the newsletter with other resources in it, things like that. But, you know, they're focused on the healthcare and disability benefits. Um, now, when, you know, that's, I use the analogy of a, of a net you know, within a net of resources to support the veteran community out there. The VA is one strand of rope in that net. Vet gigs is another strand of rope. Our narrow scope of value is employment resources and, you know, helping veterans prepare and become marketable candidates for those roles. There are groups like We Too Are Vets who provide another narrow scope of value of empowerment and support for women veterans um, and helping them with uh, prepare for employment and whatnot. Groups like Tech for Troops, who's another one of our partners, who provides hardware for veterans who are looking to connect with family or need to use that hardware to build resumes and, and submit job applications, get on vet gigs, things like that. So we all kind of work together to provide that support, but we all have a narrow scope of value on our own. We're just a narrow uh, strand of rope. And if a veteran falls on a, on a strand of rope, they're, they're bound to get tangled up, get hurt, but it's not really going to help them that much. But together, when we come together like this and talk to each other about these resources and, and how we can provide end-to-end -end value, we start tying knots between the ropes and then build a net that actually is really supportive of our community. So what I've tried to do with with our network, our, our co-op of uh, different resources that we've talked about before, Sean, is um, look at the end-to-end -end journey of our users. You know, from the time they are transitioning out of the service or just having trouble in their career, maybe they've already been in, in the, the workforce for 10 years, but they're looking to transition into another role or move up and they're just kind of stuck. You know, what does their journey look like? What are all the potential needs they could have and while we can't provide it all through vet gigs, we can work together with all of these other organizations out there and provide end-to-end -end support, really making sure they get what they need to transition you know, well into the community or get to that next level in their career. Um, and so we, we work with groups like Tech for Troops, with We To Our Vets, with the groups that provide uh, training resources out there to uh, help them reach their, their needs as well. Um, you know, mental health resources, physical health resources, nutrition resources, uh, whatever it may be, we're, we can try and work with other organizations. So, um, we can help not just in our narrow scope, but together in an end to end life cycle using all of our scopes of value. Yeah. We had a question, uh, from Seth Harrison in, in our LinkedIn audience. Um, and I think this was, um, Aaron to one of the comments you were making about, you know, funding, et cetera. Is it true about these programs that can get you more GI Bill money if you've used yours or transferred it, transferred it to your kids or spouse? You guys, are you guys aware of additional support there that you can get additional financial resources? They I'm may only, be there. Yeah, I'm only aware of one in Texas and that is for uh, the Hazelwood Texas veterans. Act. That, yeah, the Hazelwood Act. Uh, the Hazelwood, I'm, I'm a native Texan. Uh, I used the Hazelwood Act to get my entire MBA, and all I had to do was pay for books. So fantastic. Awesome. And I still have about 60 hours to give to uh, my daughters uh, should they choose to go to a uh, public university in Texas. So, th th so that is the only one that I know of. 
there's another called VRAP that they may be mentioning. Uh, Seth may be mentioning, I, th I think it was who had the question. Um, so the VRAP program is something that is put into play by the federal government anytime there's high veteran unemployment, which is kind of subjective term. I'm interested actually what their, what their idea is on that. Like before COVID, we were at like 6% and it shot up during COVID. Um, but VRAP is in place currently, and I think there's 1,600 programs that take VRAP dollars, and they provide certification support, training support. Sometimes they're full-on higher, edu uh, higher education institutions, and you can get a full college degree. Otherwise, it may be something like getting your PMP or getting uh, Workday certified or something like that. And so... Um, all kinds of different organizations. You can actually Google VRAP programs and find the full list. See if the organization you want to get training through is a VRAP provider. And if it is, check it out because that's completely separated from your um, X number of months of, uh, of federal education benefits you get from being in the military, um, your GI Bill, and uh, can be really beneficial. Um yeah, really, really beneficial too. And that's actually something we're going to be working on in the future is, is developing more of those relationships with VRAP providers because going back to their own kind of narrow scope of value, they're legally obligated to help with placement. But a lot of these institutions are really only training providers. They're not employment providers. So they may have some kind of employment assistance office, but it's mostly going to be a job board. And uh, Fed Gigs isn't a job board. We have direct relationships with all of our employers. So, um, you know, that's where we come into value. And we, we'd love to have more partnerships with VRAP programs, actually helping directly with the placement of their people um, through our awesome employers who provide great opportunities um, to the veteran community. Is, is there any, can you tell us a little bit, and I know we're getting down to time, I don't want to be respectful of your time, but, um, the program itself, uh, cost of entry, uh, who's it available to? Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the program itself, your vet gigs? Uh, vet gigs, yeah, absolutely. So um, vet gigs, is it's free to jump on, make an account, make a profile. Um, if you find a job on vet gigs, zero out of out-of-pocket costs from, from um, or for the veteran on that. We are a freelancer marketplace, so the, the bulk of our functionality is built to make freelancing easy for veterans. And we don't focus on the churn and burn jobs you see on Upwork or Fiverr. That's another one of our distinguishing factors. We focus on one of the reasons we're, we're focused on tech and professional services is because um, consulting and, and technology projects are much longer and much more lucrative. So instead of, you know, work on Upwork or Fiverr, Genie, you may see where they're $20, $30 an hour. Ours tend to start at $50 an hour and go, you know, sometimes well above $200 an hour and they're longer term. So you might be engaged for a year, two year long project in which you're making that, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. And so um, really amazing opportunities for the veteran community and for those freelance projects that would that we help iron out any of the pain points on ranging from getting the work um coming to agreement on terms on the work so you won't have to do a lengthy sow it's just hey i want you to pay me this much per hour for doing this kind of work and i'll do this many hours per week or month 
um, making it super easy. And then getting paid. We, uh, we, we work through Stripe to automatically pull the payment directly from the employers and put it directly in the account of the freelancers. Um, so you're never having to chase down employers for payment. Um, and for, for helping with all of that, we do have a, a nominal commission-based system, which can be reduced as low as 1% when veterans are on there, referring other, other veterans or military spouses to the platform to help introduce new uh, opportunities out there. Because we, uh, we really do spread by word of mouth. Primarily, we, we want to spread the word about these amazing opportunities to other vets and military spouses. So we uh, provide as, as much commission discount incentives as we can to, to help spread the word. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah it, really, it really falls in line with you know, us trying to work with other, other veteran orgs. It, it really is, you know, forgive me for the Navy term, uh, but it, <laughs> the rising tide really does lift lift all of our boats and uh you know yeah if, if we're helping veterans and military spouses and they're helping us then we should all we should all share in that and on I that note I, I, crimson, crimson tide <laughs> <laughs> you know i i did forget to mention aaron but you you raised a really good point um that network of organizations we we work with across the veteran community when a veteran or military spouse joins vet gigs, they say how they heard about us and which programs they, they use. So if they went through We Too Our Vets and and Tech for Troops, both, then um, if they end up finding work on the platform later and re any revenues generated on the platform, we then carve off a percentage of those profits to the organizations they used as well. So um, really, yeah, the, the rising uh, rising tide does lift all boats in the veteran community. It helps the veteran talent who got these amazing opportunities, uh, kickstarted or accelerated their career, and it, it lifts all the organizations they came through to help make that happen for them. Um, and, you know, that's something we're really passionate about and want to, uh, to continue looking for ways to reinvest in the veteran community as we build these opportunities. Yeah, outstanding. Well, guys, we, we are down to time. Uh, thank you so much for joining in with us. Uh, I love your mission. I love what you're doing. Uh, so innovative as well. So uh, especially for this space, right, for this yep. segment uh, in our audience. Um, you guys are doing some great things. Thank you for sharing. Um, real quick, big smile, audience, take a screenshot, show Brett, show Aaron some love. Post it out there, uh, put that up on your social media outlets, uh, tag them, right? So they can see and feel that love and uh, check out vetgigs.com, uh, uh, V-E-T-G-I-G-S.com. Um, great program. Guys, that's the show, uh, Vet SOS. And let me see here. I know, Sean, you had, you had created the tagline, so do you want to give it to them? Which one? I came up with a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Whichever you prefer, man. Oh, man. You put me on the spot. I didn't even have it up. <laughs> That's all right. I'll, I'll fill it in. So don't drown in the transition sea. We're talking about the tide. Don't drown in that sea. Grab the Vet SOS Life Preserver and get your lifeline going. There Thanks, you go. Guys. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, look forward to our next visit. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks.